Good afternoon. Welcome to the Mr. Irrelevant Podcast. It's Tuesday, July 25th. I'm your host, Jamie Mottram, back from a small anniversary getaway break where I went to Raleigh, North Carolina with my wife. Uh, Happens to be the hometown of one John Wall. And that's what we're going to talk about today with our guest from Comcast Sportsnet, Chase Hughes. Chase, welcome back. Good. Um, Welcome back from vacation. I just got back from vacation myself. Where'd you go? I went to Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, hometown of Mr. Irrelevance, Chris Mottram. Also my brother. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, was it just super hot down there? Uh, you know, it was actually uh, not too hot, and it was like sunny every day. It never rained, so we got to go to the beach every day. It was perfect. Which beach? Uh, I went to Sullivan's. I usually go to Folly, but this week we went to Sullivan's every day. Nice. That's my yeah. that's my brother's beach. We'll have to we'll have to talk about that off air. Um, this just in, we have, yeah. we have a, we have a breaking announcement. Uh, it's actually I think we have John Wall on, on the line. Hold on one moment, please. What up, people? This is John Wall. Just checking in, letting y'all know. I know I wasn't going nowhere. Resign with the Wizards, man. Sign my extension. You know where I want to be. I love being in DC. Did you hear that? John Wall, re-signing his extension. That actually happened. There you like, go. It happened like four days ago, but we were on vacation. So, um, yeah, last time we talked, I, I was a little nervous about him not having signed his extension. There was like a couple weeks there at least where it was offered but not signed. Uh, there was a lot of talk about him potentially waiting a year to, to maybe make more money on a bigger Supermax or – maybe not wanting to be in DC and, and you know, there's just all kinds of, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the air about like teaming up with LeBron in LA and all this, all this stuff. What, what, uh, what do you think was the um, cause for him waiting a little bit and ultimately re-upping with the Wiz? Well, I think he wanted to weigh his options. And I think as the season ended, uh, waiting and betting on himself one year and trying to get the contract that Stephen Curry got, over $200 million over five years sounded like a good idea. But I think as he sat down and really thought about it, uh, he realized there's not a whole lot more money than he's going to be making on this deal. Uh, about $107 million over four years. And just the certainty of signing that now, I think um, the more he thought about it, the better it sounded. So early in this offseason, I thought it was pretty unlikely that he would sign the deal this offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think he – kind of just warmed up to the idea. And once the, the Wizards and him got to the ta- negotiating table and talked about the details, he ultimately made the decision. And I, I don't really think he ever seriously considered leaving D.C. I think it was between signing this summer or next summer because I, I really do think he's pretty committed to uh, staying here long term. Well, in, in being able to sign a bigger Supermax deal like Steph Curry, wasn't that contingent upon him being in all NBA selection again this coming season? Right. So it would have been not only betting on himself to play well next year, but, um, you know, kind of leave it up to the writers to determine whether he's going to be a top 15 player in the NBA. He got it this year, but as he well knows, there's nothing guaranteed there. Uh, There's definitely been times in the past where he thought he should deserve that award and didn't get it. So I think it would have been unfortunate if he bet on himself that way mm-hmm. and fell short, although he still would have been able to make plenty of money, of course. I mean, it's, I imagine it's difficult being as talented as he is and as accomplished as he is and, like, not – like, I'm sure he believes in himself that he's a top 15 player and that he's going to be all NBA again. The flip side of that is 
he's only made it once his entire career. It was this past year and he was 13. So it's, it's like no lock on any level that he would get there again, even if he were to be healthy all season. And he just plays a, a position at point guard that's so deep, you know, it ultimately comes down to your position. You got to be, you know, top, uh, I guess it'd be 10 at the guard position um, or top uh, 12 at the guard position. And, uh, you know, that's, that's banking on a lot because, or I guess, no, it'd be top six at the guard position. Uh-huh. My yeah. math's way off. Yeah, top six at the guard position in this day and age is not easy to do. And also with Kyrie Irving being like ultra motivated and probably taking like 50 shots a game next season. We'll come back to Kyrie in a minute, or at least I want to come back to Kyrie. So Wall is entering his age 26 season. I'm sorry, 27 season. This will be his eighth season in the NBA. Like I bring this up because I read somewhere that he's now – assured to be a wizard until he's like 32 something like right. that like that is just crazy to me like john wall's still too young in my mind's eye to like be with locked up with the whiz into his early 30s yeah i ran some of the numbers on this it's pretty amazing so he's already played seven years and he's he had two years left on his contract so this adds four to that so this will be a six-year uh, commitment essentially and that'll take him through 13 nba seasons not only will wow. he be 32 at the time, so you know that, that could be the rest of his prime or at least the majority of it, mm-hmm. but uh, 13 seasons is a long time. That matches the entire career of guys like Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Wes Unseld, uh, Kevin McHale, Isaiah Thomas, some of the longest uh, tenured players in NBA history to play with one team, played with them for 13 years. So if he gets that far, um, that'll be quite impressive. Right now there's only uh, four guys who have played uh, with their teams currently longer than 13 years. And it's Dirk Nowitzki, it, who's played 19 with the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Parker, who's played 16 with the Spurs. Ginobili, who's played 15 with the Spurs. And then Udonis Haslam. So it's pretty rare that you see someone play that long with one team. And right now, John Wall's insured of doing that because, um, of course, he got to the NBA at a very young age, only playing one year in college, and now has this contract through his age 32 season. I love it. As a fan, having him locked up that long with our with my team is amazing. I love whether it's my team or others. It's kind of outdated, but that, that sort of career where somebody great spends their whole career with one team, like the Nowitzki model. Right. Uh, we had that with you know Cal Ripken and the Orioles. Um, we had it with Daryl Green. We were going to have it with Art Monk, and then he somehow had like a brief window where he was bouncing around with the Jets and the Eagles that I wiped from most of my memory bank. Uh, Would be nice to have with Wall, but also like you couple him with Beal and Porter who are both now locked up for what, the next four years each? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Yeah. Beal, because last summer he signed a five-year deal, so he's got four years left. So does Otto Porter, although Porter does technically have a player option his Mm -hmm. fourth year. So you're talking about an extensive era with these three guys. Um, you know, a, a total of eight years at the minimum that they will have played together, um, you know, depending on that fourth year option for Otto Porter. So uh, that's a long time. And there's definitely something to be said about continuity. Uh, this team, you know, with the exception of two years ago, has taken consistent steps forward. And I think most would agree that they haven't reached their ceiling as a trio, uh, Wall, Beal, and Porter. So I think in the next few years, they will reach that ceiling, but it'll be exciting to kind of see you know, where they can go from here, because I think all three players can improve. Um, You know, maybe Bradley Beal has the most room to improve because he's not yet been an all-star. And I think he can be 
Um, you know, one of the very best players in the NBA, especially at his position. Uh, but all three should continue to improve. And as long as they stay healthy, um, it, you know, it, I think there'll be some benefits from them um, kind of growing up together and playing together in terms of continuity. Yeah, I'd love to be having like super max conversations about Bradley Beal in summers of the future <laughs> based on his you know, yeah. potential all NBA selections. Um, they, the Wizards didn't have a lot of room to operate this offseason, you know, in terms of they didn't have, you know, a first round pick. They didn't have cap space, um, you know, but they were able to, you know, re-up with Otto and with Wall. That's got to be a win, right? Like this offseason, you've got to grade it out as as a, a successful one for the franchise. Absolutely. I think it was a net positive. I mean, you know, I think there's a debate to be had over some of the moves they made on their bench. You know, could they have done better than a Tim Frazier or a Jody Meeks or a Mike Scott? Some of the, you know, small additions that they made. Of course, they traded their draft pick. And some people may hone in on the fact that they, you know, tried to trade for Paul George and technically fell short. But I think if you look at the offseason as a whole, uh, you have to be happy, first of all, with signing John Wall to a long-term deal. That's obviously an extremely important priority. And the fact that they were able to do that and re-sign Otto Porter, uh, I think is impressive. And it says a lot about their front office and, and really ownership for committing that type of money. It's not often you see uh, teams be able to retain two of their guys in one offseason. Uh, as we've seen in the NBA, it's a lot easier said than done just retaining one guy. And uh, John Wall committing this long is very rare in the NBA, especially these days with, with superstars jumping from team to team. Um, you know, he had kind of sent signals out earlier this offseason that he wanted to see what the long-term plan was. And, you know, there didn't really appear to be any rush for him to sign the deal, yet they got it done. So I think you have to consider this offseason a success for sure. And then especially when you compare that to all the turmoil in the rest mm -hmm. of the Eastern Conference, uh, you add it all up, and the Wizards look like they took maybe a, a slight step forward, but that's more than a lot of teams around them could say. Well, before we compare it to the rest of the East, I would just compare them to the Redskins. Like, yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like signing Otto and John Wall seem like, I mean, not no-brainers, but I think most people would agree like those were those were the moves to make. But you know, so was maybe like for the Redskins, like retaining their GM who had helped them find their most success in 25 years, and right. <laughs> re-signing their you know best quarterback in 25 years to a long-term contract. In neither one, not only did neither of those things happen, but both of them like just were like flaming, you know, dysfunctional PR disasters. Well, yeah, one, one thing about that that's amazing is that uh, you just contrast the likelihood of a team retaining their NBA superstar compared to their star Pro Bowl quarterback. Usually it's the quarterback that it's much more likely that a team in the NFL will be able to retain, mm -hmm. even though the CBA is set up so you can give more money in basketball. Right. These guys still jump from team to team. So, you know, the odds just in a vacuum would seem to be in the Redskins' favor in that regard, but here the Wizards are, uh, you know, with success to uh, tout. So looking at the rest of the East, there's, a, you know, a lot of change. Uh, you know, the shifting of power, like continuing to go westward, but also at the top of the conference last year, it was Boston 1, Cleveland 2, uh, Wizards 3, right? Or were they 4? I can't remember. They were 4. Uh, they were Toronto four. was Toronto 3. Was three. And Toronto was like kind of running it back, um, you know, with the same squad, uh, similar to the Wizards, I guess, in that regard. Um, Boston got Hayward. And Cleveland, I don't know what's happening with Cleveland and Kyrie <laughs> right now. I mean, do you think that they're standing in that, in that pecking order 
would you expect it to change for this coming year or how do you how do you think that's changing up uh i don't know if it'll change a whole lot i think it'll be more solidified for sure because i think the teams below them um Mm -hmm. generally got a lot worse i don't think anyone like philadelphia is going to change the complexion of the conference um milwaukee could get better but they didn't make very many additions this offseason i think they could leap toronto you know they weren't too far behind them Mm -hmm. uh, just a few games and I think Toronto probably sees a similar opportunity that the Wizards do um, in that, you know, they have Kyle Lowry, they have a star point guard, and now the Celtics don't look as formidable because they let Avery Bradley go. Yes, of course, obviously they, they added Gordon Hayward and they added Jason Tatum, and long term they look like they're going to be a lot better. But whether they took a huge step in the short term, especially against guard-centric teams, I, I think we'll have to see how that plays out. Cleveland, I still think, is the best team in the conference. Um, you know, even if they have to bring back Kyrie Irving and there's, you know, some chemistry issues and morale issues, um, I, I still like their chances if the playoffs, uh, you know, in the playoffs, uh, regardless of what happens in the regular season. And if they do trade Kyrie Irving, and as long as they don't completely bungle it, they should be able to get a talented player in return. I think it's unfortunate the timing that a lot of the guys who were available, like Paul George and Jimmy Butler, already got traded, but – that's a very attractive asset who's on a pretty uh, favorable deal. I think he's making like $18 million next year. Just compare that to like a, you know, a Bradley Beal who's making 6 or $7 million more than that, and it's a pretty decent contract. So I think they're still in pretty good shape uh, in the short term. Long term, I think they're in serious jeopardy, especially if LeBron James wants to leave after next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'd put Cleveland one. I think uh, Celtics two maybe in the regular season, but the Wizards have a chance of being better than them in the playoffs. So I'd put Wizards three and Raptors four at this point and then the Bucks right behind them at fifth yeah I mean I just like that they've you know maintained stability and look to you know the Wizards may have, are stable and look to if anything improve you know health permitting and Cleveland's just like a circus and no one else seems to have really made any sort of leap up you know I mean maybe Boston's improved but you know like if Milwaukee got Kyrie and it was like Kyrie and Giannis, like suddenly Milwaukee yeah. in the conversation. But like, you know, nobody really made that kind of move to really step into the conversation at the top, you know, top like, you know, top half of the Eastern playoff bracket. No um, question. And, and, and re- real quick on that, like, you know, part of the debate about Otto Porter this offseason was like, you know, do you go with the short thing and resigning him or do you try to make a big move for a star now? Mm-hmm. I think now seeing how the rest of the East played out and all the uncertainty for the other teams – Certainty sounds pretty good. So I think it makes sense for the Wizards to re-sign him, and then you could always trade him down the road, of course. Um, I was going to go – well, I'm going to park that. The Otto Porter, like, potential trade partner, <laughs> you know, trade targets. <laughs> um, not to get too far ahead of ourselves. Uh, but just coming back to Kyrie, who would you rather have for the next six years? John Wall or Kyrie? I'd rather have John Wall. Um, I think both players, there's a question about, you know, how their teams will age once they get past 30. Um, you know, John, of course, is very reliant on his speed. Um, Kyrie Irving is very reliant on his quickness. Um, you know, he doesn't do a whole lot on the other end of the floor defensively. But I think Wall's game is going to ultimately age pretty well as long as he continues to get better at shooting and as long as he um, gets better at posting up. And those are two things that he's – you know, already vocalized publicly saying that he wants to improve on. He said Jason Kidd is a guy who kind of provides a good model for that. Um, And, you know, this is an interesting conversation trying to project John Wall. And I wrote a story about it because 
Now we know he's going to be with the Wizards through his age 32 season. So it begs the question, what's he going to look like toward the tail end of his prime? And what's his longevity in the NBA is going to look like? You know, it can go very different ways. If he doesn't develop an outside shot and kind of learn how to play without um, being the fastest guy on the court, um, then it'll be interesting. But if he can learn those things, then like Jason Kidd, he could play until his late 30s. You know, I was looking at Jason Kidd's numbers and his career. He made uh, – he was making the all-star team at age 36. Um, you know, he became very good at shooting spot-up three-pointers. He shot over 40% at that age. Always was a good passer. Always was just very good at running the offense. John Wall has the potential to be that type of player. How Kyrie Irving will age is probably going to be a little bit, um, you know, more of a wild card. So I'd go with Wall. I think Wall's better now. I think he's more well-rounded. And I like what his future could behold um, in terms of his style. That's crazy that Jason Kidd became a 40% three-point shooter. Like, right. <laughs> did he ever even, like, shoot a jumper in his 20s? I feel like he was just well, past you know, that distribution. Yeah, that, yeah, that reminds me. Uh, so basically, through the same point in their career, their you know age twenty six season, it was almost identical. Wall and Kid in terms of three point percentage. I think Wall is about thirty one percent. Kid was thirty two percent on similar attempts. So mm-hmm. it was definitely a late in his career thing where Kid developed that shot. The thing about Kyrie, I mean, he's an incredible scorer. I, I mean, right. some of the shots he made in the playoffs, especially like finishing on drives, I, I just don't even know how they were possible. Um, right. An incredible score, incredible talent. And I, all, you know, there's a huge, there's a huge butt coming. And I, and I also, <laughs> and I also like respect that the modern NBA is all about free agency, even beyond when you're a free agent, you know, like you can make your own way as a star in the NBA and you can force the issue. And I, you know, I, I respect that he's wants to create the best situation for him, all things considered. But I, I, I just the stuff that's happening right now in Cleveland is incredible. When you've been in the finals three times in a row and your running mate is LeBron, and you know you've won a championship, you've you know, been able to accomplish so much. I, I don't. I just the whole thing that's happening with him wanting to be traded and and the kind mm-hmm. of seeming like animosity that's building in the organization. I like from an intangible standpoint. I, I just love what John Wall <laughs> brings to the table, you know, by comparison. Yeah, I mean, that's a good thing if, uh, to, to note, you know, if you want to – you don't even have to look at the stats and their style of play. Just mm-hmm. you know, run with, move forward. Who's to say that Kyrie Irving won't go to his next stop and then be unhappy? If you're not happy playing with LeBron James, then, you know, what could you possibly want? Um, I think it's interesting – you know, how his career may be viewed uh, based on this. You know, if he goes to a team where, yeah, he's the number one guy and, you know, say they're fighting for a bottom of the bracket playoff spots, you know, that could be the difference between him being a Hall of Famer and not. I mean, maybe that's over analyzing things, but if he continues to run with LeBron James and they keep going to the finals and he's clearly the number two guy on one of the best teams of an era or, you know, if they win another title or two, one of the best teams we've ever seen, then, uh, his status, um, you know, in the history of the game is is magnified compared to what it would be if he, you know, goes to the Miami Heat, like he said, and, you know, battles for sixth and seventh seeds. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's a pretty big risk on his part, I would say. Yeah, I mean, would you rather have like the Russell Westbrook OKC season where you kind of squeak, you know, not squeak into the playoffs, but you're a lower tier playoff team with an MVP right. caliber season or the season that Kyrie just had where, you know, you lead the team in scoring and you make it to the finals for the third straight year. Um, I, don't, I mean, as a Wizards fan, like I just want him 
not to toil in Cleveland, but, but to kind of be like stuck in Cleveland where <laughs> there seems to be an expiration date on their run with, you know, all indications being that LeBron might only be there another year. I'd rather see that with, you know, considering the Wizards window is open for like the next five years. I'd rather see him stay in Cleveland than be like traded somewhere else within the conference and potentially create some sort of super team scenario like uh, the one I mentioned in Milwaukee. Yeah, if he, I mean, it, it's a it's a pretty huge piece that can be moved in the Eastern Conference, and um, you know, I, I don't think there's a scenario, a likely scenario, where the Cavaliers trade him and don't get a whole lot back, and all yeah. of a sudden, the Cavaliers look vulnerable because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's definitely a chance that they could add an, a new star in in the place of him and re up and and maybe extend their window. Um, you know, maybe that revitalizes LeBron uh, to in staying in Cleveland, but. Um, if he stays there, then you're right. It does present a huge wild card, something that bears watching for the entire season. Um, because if those guys are unhappy with each other, those are the two best players. Um, if if it starts to affect their game, then that's another thing that could kind of help the Wizards, um, you know, find a window for themselves. You know, you, you look at this conference and it's kind of precarious at the top. The teams uh, are very good, but you know that the Cavaliers are one injury away from really opening the door east. Uh, the words are right there, kind of at their heels. So something like that could be something that opens. Well, the last thing I want to ask about is the auto porter trade scenario, because you mentioned this last time you we were on the call on the pod about uh, you know the way his contract is, where he can he has no trade for year one, but after that he could be an asset in some sort of like Oladipo, Paul George type deal. Are there any players that like you and others might already be mentioning as as targets in that sort of uh, you know s- scenario a, a year or more down the road? You know, I think the one guy that a lot of people are are probably going to look at, although um, it would require technically, uh, depending on the timing, it may require Otto Porter to waive his uh, you know his no trade uh, for the first year. But you know, Demarcus Cousins, I think, is a name that's going to continue to be associated with the. Wizards because mm-hmm. of the John Wall connection, uh, um, and deeper than that, this past year they they said publicly that they've discussed, uh, you know, playing with each other. So it, it you know evaluating something like that because Demarcus Cousins can be a free agent after this next season mm-hmm. um, is tough because uh, you know you wonder how the Pelicans would have to be in the standings or where the Wizards would have to be in the standings or something like that to make sense. Right. Uh, but but he's certainly a name that that you could watch. Uh, you know. Paul George, I, I don't see. I think he's either going to be an OKC if he leaves there for LA, but he is a, a star who's um, technically got one year left on his deal after this coming year. So you know, if things soured in Oklahoma City and, the, and LA wasn't right, you know, maybe he looks and, and maybe the Western Conference is just too stacked. Maybe he looks at what Chris Paul did and he opted into his deal um, and got traded to the Houston Rockets. That's technically something um, that Paul George could do. Um, you know, if they wanted to trade Otto Porter, it's tough to kind of project which stars would be available. I don't know if, you know, for instance, and, and obviously you'd have to give up a lot more, but if, you know, with the Knicks, Kristaps Porzingis didn't get traded this offseason, but the Knicks at least were considering it. You know, maybe that's a, a path that you explore a little bit. Um, you know, the, a lot of super uh, this offseason, um, and a lot of those guys seem to fit with the Wizards. So, yeah, you kind of have to wonder who's left. You know, I always wonder um, Andre Drummond in Detroit. Mm-hmm. 
We lost Chase at the end there, but that's all right. He's given us enough of his time. You can follow him on Twitter at ChaseHughesCSN. 